Hi there, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. We're in 2021. We want to talk about the cyber defense trends as we start this year. And who better to start it with than Derek Mankey? He's the Chief Security Insights and Global Threat Alliances at Fortinet's Fortigard Labs. Derek, always a pleasure to speak with you. Tom, it is. It is an honor to speak with you again, too. It's great. Um, always really enjoy the conversations. So 2020, I don't know where to begin. Just as we start this new year, mm. what are the trends that most concern you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been a crazy year, hasn't it, on, on all fronts, as we always say, and cyber, cybersecurity is no exception, Tom. If we look at the present, where, where we are now, some of the most concerning things are uh, continuing to build on new techniques uh, from, from older tricks, I would say. Uh, so first, first of all, it's, it's ransom, right? R- ransomware. That's been front of news for, for years, but it's getting worse. And it's getting worse because it's been created now as a RAAS model, ransom as a service model. So it's simply just more players and now more um, you know, um, cyber criminals that are coming to the ta- uh, table. There's more um, groups out there, affiliate programs that are paying more individuals to distribute ransom, which means it's not just one phishing email. It's not just a handful. We're dealing with hundreds and hundreds and thousands of these and each now, thanks to COVID-19 lures and also now re- most recently va- vaccine distribution, we're dealing with an unprecedented amount of, of localization. So, uh, you know, all, all in different um, languages and different themes. And it's becoming a problem because this ransom is not just after data as a currency. We're, we've seen a shift now from ransom going to, to attack, uh, you know, critical business um, services, revenue. It's even crossed into the world of, of OT, which is, um, you know, the front lines right now, right? Um, we, we saw the first uh, indirect human death because a hospital was under a, a denial of service this year. And so that's very, very concerning, especially when we start to get into that crossover to, to the physical world. And that's, you know, beyond, um, you know, critical infrastructure and, and healthcare, it's also touched um, uh, almost every one of us in, in terms of the work from home environment now. So, so that is one of the, the, the biggest concerns that I see because it's, it's, it's uh, direct. There's a large impact because of that. And, uh, you know, the, the other main trend that we saw uh, this year, uh, which I wouldn't say is surprising, but it's something to be very, uh, you know, conscious of is that web-based threats for the first time overtook email uh, threats this year. Uh, so email has been, you know, it's been around forever, right? For, for you know, 30 plus years. But the, it, it's always been the most, uh, you know, preferred vehicle for attackers. And it still is quite uh, prevalent. Uh, but for the first time, we saw web-based threats take over. And that is because a lot of users now from work, from home, from, uh, you know, newly set up environments are outside of traditional safeguards. And they're not using, you say, centralized email. Well, they are using centralized email, but they're also now using the same devices to go to, you know, third-party sites as an example. And, um those are the sites that are now being uh, that are now in the crosshair of attackers. Well, Derek, let's talk about that. We've got more online shoppers than ever now. What does your data tell you about online shopping as a target for cyber criminals? 
It's huge. It's huge. This is another really uh, interesting trend that we've seen, something we've never seen before. If we just look at, um, you know, legitimate traffic, so just just traffic flowing to e-commerce and online shopping sites, it's been a steady beat, Tom, since the summer, really. Um, you know, it's typically we see some, some you know, uh, peaks and valleys, and those peaks are on, you know, the traditional uh, you know, sales that happen, Cyber Monday being one of them, um, of course, Boxing Day as well. Uh, but really, uh, of course, we saw a slight increase, but most, a majority of the traffic has been um, up from uh, from base level since July, uh, I would say. Um, and, you know, we, we saw a, a near 300% increase in the summertime. And that's, it's been a steady beat. It's been a steady flow of traffic, which is concerning because anytime you have traffic, uh, that's an attack opportunity to cyber criminals. And uh, it's it's something that um, from, you know, we have all that, all, it's a perfect storm really, right? Because we have all that, the traffic that's flowing to these sites. And unfortunately with the 40 Guard Labs data, we've seen those sites actively under attack. What attackers are trying to do now is target, and th- this comes uh, part and parcel with the, the web-based um, threat theme that I just talked about. Um, you know, attackers are are focusing on these e-commerce sites. Uh, they're specifically going after things like shopping cart plugins that are used on the sites. And unfortunately, Tom, a lot of these, the sites uh, that we've observed that are under attacks, these are frameworks that are quite old. Um, they're, they're four to five years old um, and it comes down to that patch management issue. Again, they're simply not patched in a lot of cases and um, therefore very, very vulnerable to these attacks. So it's quite easy for cyber criminals to subvert a lot of these sites. Typically what they're doing is um, attacking the, the shopping cart plugin itself to, to siphon credit card information, of course. They're also uh, injecting um, new landing pages on these sites for phishing purposes too. Derek, talk to me a little bit about social engineering. We've given the cyber criminals a greater attack surface than ever, and we've given them the backdrop of COVID and and the pandemic and economic relief funds and such with which to create their schemes. What are some of the trends that you're seeing with socially engineered schemes? Yeah, so so, social engineering is, it's never going to go away. I mean, this is exploitation of the human mind. mind. It's been around for centuries, uh, really really since existence, as far as I know. Um, So it's it's something that we have to always be be conscious of. It's something that we have to continually hone in terms of our defense for that. Social engineering, of course, is always effective when when people are vulnerable, uh, right? And, And what more that perfect vulnerable climate than obviously what we saw this year with uh, COVID-19. So typically what we see, Tom, in any given year is a, I would say, uh, a lot of different social engineering themed campaigns, right? So a lot of these are regional, national disasters that pop up, um, different, you know, celebrity deaths, as an example, uh, these sorts of things. This year, cyber criminals didn't really have to rely on that because COVID-19 was so dominant. And uh, like I said, it was regionalized, localized in, into all these different languages that it was more than enough. So instead of seeing a lot of these different campaigns, we saw um, purely a, a global, a huge scale uh, on, on a global level, uh, on that localized language level. Uh, but it was all focused around COVID-19. So that was quite different uh, as well. 
So, I, you know, I would say with that in mind is that what, what we always see with these, you know, we, we saw a whole bunch of different social engineering uh, lures from yeah, at the start of the pandemic. It was, uh, you know, offices closing, uh, layoff notices, uh, HR notices re- regarding that. Then it came down to uh, phase one reopenings, phase two reopenings. Then it came down to new lockdowns and it came down to uh, rehirings, as an example. And a lot of those even were even used in money laundering schemes. Um, so, you know, the, the point is these are always trying to lure the, the victim into uh, typically clicking on a link, uh, typically opening opening a malicious attachment. And um, it just comes down to this, this zero trust environment that we really have to, to, to have in, in our mentality. It's it's so easy uh, for people to be armchair quarterbacking, you know, or sitting sitting in their comfort of home and thinking that they're secure, just clicking on these links when it can really have a big impact. In fact, Tom, a lot of the times, uh, you know, in work from home environments, when users are becoming infected, uh, they become legally liable as well if they're if if you know even if they don't know it and they've been infected and they're hosting malicious infrastructure that's being used for attacks or to to host stolen data. I like that you use the term armchair quarterback because you recently put out a playbook that talks about a high-end form of social engineering. What can you tell me about it? Yeah, so so the playbooks are our response. Um, it, it's a it's a it's a fresh approach to how we're how we're trying to map out cybercrime because it's obviously very complex. I mean, this is a huge uh, attack surface. Um, it, it becomes more complex. There's more players to the game. There's more you know, uh, weapons and tools and uh, different ways that they're trying to get into uh, platforms. There's more platforms now. We have IoT and the edge, all these different things. So in the past, we, uh, you know, the the typical approach to this was creating uh, research blogs and and white papers as an example, and and that's all good and fine. Uh, But not everybody has the time on (laughs) every day to sit down and read a 60 page technical white paper, right? I mean, there's a time and a place. So what we're doing with the playbooks is we're creating a a guide. It's we've completely reversed this into really mapping out. It's similar to those crime shows where you see the police mapping out, uh, you know, the the attacks, trying to track down the cyber criminal or sorry, not cyber criminal, usually the criminal in, in that case with the strings and, uh, and, and you know, the, the pins on the map. We're doing the same thing, but we've put this into a technical language. We're working with MITRE uh, in, and uh, we've put this into the, what's called the attack framework. So we do all of the technical mapping. This, that's all the FortiGuard lab stuff on the back end. We're doing the heavy lift. We're doing this, con- it's a living document, right? We're doing this con- uh, constantly on the back end. And as we do that, we're discovering more. And the more that we discover, uh, the more we're uncovering about patterns. It's like digital DNA. How, how are the, the adversaries moving? What, um, you know, it answers a lot of the who, what, why, where, when, how questions, which are really important. And once we find the answers to that, then we can create uh, defensive playbook guides to this, right? For a CSO, a one to two page document, not a 60 page document, but we can still have that 60 page document for security operations centers when they need to make sure that they're covering all their gaps. So it's really about understanding the offense. And once you understand the offense, you can create a proper defense for that. You can prioritize response to the defense, um, which is also really important um, today with, with resources obviously too. You know, the whole reason we're doing this is to really, uh, on our side, is to, um, you know, it's, it's easy to find artifacts. It's easy to know there's all these bad IP addresses and URLs out there. It's hard to find who these people are. It's hard to bring them to justice. And that's why we're doing this as well, because the, the deeper that we go in this and the more we find out about this digital DNA, we can actually put it onto attribution 
and we can uh, map those to the attack groups and we can and we can and we actually do with 40 guard labs work with um, law enforcement and the public sector on this too. Derek, you talked about the home office and the legal responsibilities of the, of the home workers. Home office today is the branch office as we we're in 2021. It's not going to change anytime soon. Given this reality, it's the branch office. What are some of the key considerations when thinking about protecting against socially engineered schemes? I'm really glad you said that, that word branch office, because that's exactly the way I look at it too. This is a, a large distributed enterprise model with branch offices and it's here to stay. And, uh, you know, we need to get it right. And so the first thing is, you know, consider that, of course, when, when this was first happening in the transition, uh, we, we have this convergence of technology, uh, which is a big problem because you have personal devices, you have, you know, IOT devices, other devices on the network that are vulnerable to attack. And those are the top attack targets we're actually seeing. And, but the problem is they're sitting on the same, you know, physical network as the corporate devices, uh, the new work from home devices. And without any sort of, you know, safeguards, like segmentation is some network segmentation is something we talk about for that. It's, it's an open battlefield and these IoT devices can easily spring onto and latch onto and infect the corporate devices. So having that, um, you know, network security, being able to control traffic, uh, have segmentation on, on, on home networks to, to separate the corporate network from the home network is really important. Of course, secure Wi-Fi. We always talk about multi-factor authentication. That's really important. Um, going back to the social engineering <laughs> theme we talked about, how do you actually identify who they are, uh, what they are, who they say they are, um, especially when you're going into your corporate environments too. Um, you know, the other things, of course, are, um, it's not always just about mitigation. There's a lot you can do for mitigation. So going back to the branch stuff, having endpoint, you know, things like EDR, right? So endpoint detection response, centralized management of all those branches is really important, especially for larger corp uh, corporations. Um, and then uh, apart from the uh, mitigation, there's a lot of things that need to be done on the human level. So processes, right? Uh, having things like run books prepared, like what do you do if you get hit by ransomware? Um, because it's not always end game. I mean, you can prevent a lot of damage still, even when you are under attack. And it's really inevitable, inevitable because uh, we just see so many attacks out there. And there's also training, right? And there's free training that, that you can do. Um, you know, we have NSC here as an example at 40 Guard Labs. So there's uh, training, uh, everything from entry level from our one, two, three programs all the way up to level eight, which is um, very advanced. Uh, we have new consulting services as well as an example. Um, th there's a lot of tools out there just so uh, to let people know that they're not alone. Um, and in fact, given the, the complexity of this landscape, we all need to work together. And this is the way that, that we're doing that, right? I mean, obviously from our side at 40 Guard Labs, we're doing the heavy lift, all the playbook development, like I said. Uh, but then from an end user perspective, it should be as transparent and easy as possible just to, to have that visibility using the threat intelligence, but also have training tools available too. Derek, we've only scratched the surface. I look forward to talking to you later in the year to, to get some more insights from your own research. So thanks so much for taking time to speak with me today. Absolutely, it's a pleasure, Tom. And yeah, it's um, it's it's gonna be a, a very interesting ride next year, but uh, but we're we're ready for it. And we're here. You've just heard from Derek Mankey. He's the chief of Security Insights and Global Threat Alliances at Fortinet's Fortigard Labs. Again, for Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thanks so much for listening today.